And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and I am joined today by Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I imagine you are stoked uh, this upcoming weekend. BCBU. It's uh, the rivalry renewed. Uh, it's going to be a pretty big uh, couple of games. T- top two teams in the nation. Will you be there at either of those games? I uh, actually will not be there, unfortunately. Uh, again, it's going to be a great matchup, number one versus number two. I believe the first time ever that's a one-two, which seems crazy, but you know how the rankings work. There's always the one versus three, two versus three, all those things. So one versus two, going to be uh, a great set of games, both at Aganis and uh, that other kind of crappy place, Connie. But um, unfortunately, I won't be there. I'm actually going to be in uh, Bermuda this weekend so oh uh, lucky. A, a, yeah a, a, a solid excuse if there ever was one so i'll be away on uh be away on friday and, and saturday be back sunday though quick little jaunt so oh wow so it's a quick just get warm relax yep. a bit and then right back exactly. on the plane home I, I was gonna be too stressed out to be within like a, a 10 mile epicenter of bubc didn't want to bring any bad luck to the terrier so i decided to leave the country i'm, I'm fleeing the country for two days so <laughs> you're out of here you, you've got yes. you got places to be uh that sounds fun i am envious i am jealous of that um i tried to book a vacation mid-season that was like warm in a way and with the schedule it just really could never work uh, yeah. but kudos to you for finding a time to go do that because that sounds immaculate i'm jealous um yeah well you know what connor it's unfortunate you're gonna be gone friday uh because uh new england hockey journal our tv show runs right before the bcbu game and it is a it is a preview of its bcbu and how good both uh teams are and i'm you won't see my face in it but you hear my voice in it so uh, what could be better than that? I guess seeing and hearing me is better than just hearing me, but yes. um, you will hear me. So if you don't get enough of me on these podcasts, you can you can watch me on TV too. Yeah. So You know what? The presence is still there. It's like the Allstate guy's voice. Like as soon as I know Evan's <laughs> talking, we know, we, know who's, we know who's commanding this show. I think I was sitting in this seat in this room when I voiced over the show yes, too. Beautiful. They were like, you can come in, but you also have a mic at home. And I was like, Oh, that's an easy one. We're going to mic this one. Uh, So it sounds great. It's a good episode. So you guys should go check it out. But exciting matchup. Uh, And also a little bit of bad news. This is being recorded before the game on Monday night. Sorry. It's just it's the way it goes. Um, Last Monday was easy because it was in the afternoon. Uh, It's January. We're not going to hop on at 1130, 12 o'clock at night. Maybe we could. Maybe we should. Maybe we should have. Um, we should jump on. You come home from the garden at like one, you're tired. You're like, I just want a piece of pizza or something to eat. And you're like, I got to do 30 minutes with Evan again. Ah, so, I, I mean, I would also say that, uh, in terms of the workload and the stuff that goes into this, uh, there's a lot of people behind the scenes who work extremely hard, putting all these things on social, yes. edit it, get the audio right. Cause there's definitely not, there's definitely times where we completely fuck these things up. They got to go through and cut it. <laughs> It's more than just me and you just recording going boop on YouTube. There's a lot more people behind the scenes that work a lot tougher hours than us that do these. So that's why you're not getting these at 11.45 at night. We're not recording them post-game on, on most situations. A lot that goes into this beyond these two doofuses here on the mic. So I agree. That is That is probably the primary reason is I'm not putting that on them. Um, and the other thing is during the playoffs – 
uh, my guess is we'll do the live post game. We'll do some like quick, we did last yeah, we'll do quick hitters. Yeah, exactly. It's time and place, guys. It's a marathon, yeah, and, not a sprint. Exactly. And there's also a lot. We do like poke the bear will be out uh, Tuesday or late Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it's going to be out. And it'll have that game. And I mean, there people who follow the YouTube channel. Bruins Ranks at YouTube channel. There's a million podcasts throughout the week, so everything gets covered at some point. Um, but the big thing to me was Saturday. You know, even as bad as Montreal is, thumping them like that, just taking their face and shoving it in the mud. They're, I know they're not a great team and they're rebuilding, but it is still so satisfying when that happens. 9-4. Uh, it actually looked close going into the third period. That was the best part. I was like, this is going to be a wild third period. It's going to be back and forth. You know, can Lena Solmark stand up? And the Bruins just said, we're not even going to need a goalie in this period. We're just going to completely go full throttle. And I think the best story. All right, all right, all right Red Sox. Yeah, right. <laughs> Poor winter weekend. It didn't get the coverage it deserved. Uh, yeah, crazy, right? Um, but Danton Heinen, I think to me, he was the story of that game. Uh, he's been maybe one of the best feel-good stories of this team this year in terms of, you know, every guy obviously has their own story. And so, it's, uh, you know, Potra's been a cool story. But to me, Heinen takes the cake. He gets a hat-trick against Montreal on Saturday night. You were there in the building. The place seemed like it was jumping. At one point, I'm like, what are those people doing? They're doing the wave. And I'll say it, Connor, I don't like the wave. But when you're up five goals on your rival on a Saturday night, you can do whatever the hell you You can do please. whatever you want. You can bring out the Macarena if you wanted to. And again, like I give those people, it wasn't like one or two full rotations of the wave. They did it like 11 times in a row. Like it, they, they had some You're up there counting. There, you're so. like, that's one. That's two. Exactly. That's that point, I mean, the game was well in hand at that point. So I'm like, they're keeping this rolling. They might go, they might just stay in the, in the bowl of the garden until after the game's over. It might be, might be midnight. I'm recording a podcast late at night. These guys are still doing the wave. Who knows? Have you seen the guy on uh, TikTok who his goal is to stay in stadiums as long as humanly possible until he gets kicked out? Have you seen that, dude? No. It seems like a very fulfilling objective. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. Uh, but he has a whole big following on it. And sometimes it'll, it'll be like Wrigley Field or like the Rose Bowl. And now security guards just recognize him. And they'll just be like, dude, you, we love you, but you got to get out of here. It's, it's, like, like, it's like an hour and a half born. after the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that made me think of that, but, um, I agree, I, you know, to me, the way that Heinen, uh, has just fit in with this group. I mean, he wasn't signed at the beginning of the year. He was, I've said it before. He was kind of like that kid on JV who hung around the varsity, hoping to make the team makes the team has a valuable role. I think he's going to continue to have a valuable role. I mean, he was on the fourth line technically Saturday night, but we'll get to the lines in a bit. Cause I want to touch on that a little, but um, Heinen as a story in general, I think has just been um, really, really good and a good value add by the Bruins. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think you look at that game, right? Uh, on a night where you have 16 different guys getting a point, which is absolutely insane. Um, Poor Forbert oh, and um, who's the other one? Patra. Patra didn't yeah. have It's time to send him back to Guelph. If only, if only on that second goal from Hyen, which was a, a snipe, uh, if only he did a little like back and forth pass with Patra because he's on the rush with him. Only a quick little move there maybe would have changed things around. But no, is Danton Heinen selfish? I mean, I think we have to ask that question. Are, people are raising the, are bringing up that question, Evan. Uh, no, I, I, I think, um, as you said, it's very easy, I think, for a roof for a guy like Heinen considering the year he's had, right? I mean, didn't have the best season uh, with Pittsburgh last year, but again, you look at like what his floor as a player is in terms of his versatility. Rarely kind of makes 
costly plays in the D zone. Like, you know, he's not flashy at all, but you kind of know what to expect as a plug and play, you know, fourth line guy, third line guy. Um, so the fact that he went the entire offseason without one contract, has to settle on the PTO, has to, you know, go through weeks of preseason and training camp, kind of just fighting for a spot, going over guys like, you know, Alex Chiazon, who would sign to a PTO like two weeks before Heinen, too. It's not like the Heinen was the first I forgot about they had Chiazon. That yeah. seems like forever and, ago. And I think they signed Heinen like right before um, right before camp anyway. So, like, it wasn't like it was the first signing. Like, all right, we, Heinen's still out there. We'll grab him first. It's like, all right, we got Chiazon. Oh, oh shit, Dayton's out there. Yeah, let's, let's grab him too, see how he is. Um, so the fact he does that, still doesn't have a contract at the end of, you know, plays himself into a spot, doesn't get a contract till eight games into the regular season, right? Um, and just stays the course and has been, you know, great for what his role is, especially when you factor in that money. Like, I think, you know, especially that first tenure with the Bruins, Tynan had his share of detractors. I don't know wh- whether it's, you know, he's not, stop he's maybe stop and start in terms of offensively you're looking for more from him he's maybe not a prototypical Bruin that he doesn't beat the shit out of guys or or anything like that but um i think there's not any Bruins fans who have you know uh qualms with this contract and how he's played right you look at the fact he's making 775 um his versatility he can go up in the lineup it's on the fourth line uh third line um, again, rarely makes a, a boneheaded play in the D zone that leads to an odd man rush or a quality scoring chance against so like for what that value is and what he's provided all across this, you know, lineup that is completely overhauled when you look at it this season. Um, he's been huge for this team. And, and in a season where you've had so many guys step up um, and exceed expectations, especially in conjunction to what their contract is, the JVRs, uh, you know, even geekies, the, you know, Shattenkirk's on the blue line, what have you. Um, Heinen for what he's provided has been immense for this team. And as you said, like, I don't know if he's going to be having a lot of hat tricks, but he's, he's still, even when he's not like scoring, you know, goals or contributing offensively, he's really been like a net negative out there whenever, you know, in whatever role he's been in. And there's a lot of value to what he provides as that kind of Swiss army knife on this team. Yeah, I I think the issue with that contract at first was all the Bruins are going back to, you know, know, Heinen, who's kind of, you know, didn't fully work out here as you traded away. You're not getting someone new or you're not playing one of the kids. But I, you know, I, I remember, you know, wh- what the Bruins brought in last year. We've talked about this a number of times. They were the Moneyball Bruins. And, you know, you had a lot of veteran signings like Patrick Brown and James Van Riemsdyk. You weren't fully sure how they were going to materialize. And you had young guys like Beecher and Lowry and, and you had Merkulov and, and, um, and Patra in the mix. And you weren't sure how they were going to fully fare. And Heinen, you know, from the Bruins' perspective was, here's a guy they know, they developed. Um, You have an idea what you're going to get with a guy like him. And I think his return on investment has been higher than what you thought you would get. I thought Heinen was going to be kind of a guy who was in and out of the lineup, who would be okay, you know, but to expect what he was three years ago as a consistent top nine winger was a little much. But he's really been that. I mean, and again, I think the the Swiss Army knife element to it is correct, because um, he has an, he has a big impact on this team in a in a big area that was underutilized for a long uh, portion of this year. Uh, before we hit on that, uh, a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. So, uh, Heinen, interesting case, obviously. And he was on the fourth line on on Saturday night. He was down there with uh, Jesper Boquist, Matt Patra, and himself. Uh, Johnny Beecher and Mason Lowry were sent down uh, on Saturday. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are going, oh, Montgomery won't play the kids anymore. You know, this is ridiculous. And Beecher, I thought, was okay up here for what you needed. Like, Lowry still has a little bit of development to do. Now you have Forbert back. Watherspoon couldn't, you know, wasn't going to clear waivers. So you have issues there. You know, let him develop in Providence for a bit. See if guys like Forbert and Grizzly can kind of stay on this team as the trade deadline looms. Uh, but keeping it up front, though, with like Boquist, who has really stepped in and kind of taken Beecher's job in in recent weeks, I think what him and a guy like Heinen provide is sort of that somewhat veteran presence um in that bottom six where because you got you have you have Patra right you've got Jakob Lauko who's still kicking around uh down there um Lord of the Rings master and you need guys you can rely on down there and I think like Jim Montgomery is going to play that fourth line more when he relies on those guys and he can trust them a little bit and not having it just be kind of an all-kid line and I like the idea of playing the kids I do but you're getting to the end of January here you're going in the last two months of the season there's a playoff push then the playoffs come around I don't know if it's super sustainable to have what they had for the past couple you know for a little bit of time there where it was Lauko Beecher Steen on that fourth line and they were getting underutilized Heinen we mentioned this before Heinen provides kind of that veteran presence down there that can that allows Montgomery to trust them a little bit more yeah and I think it's also one of those things where 
even if you're more inclined to play the kids, right? Every NHL coach, unless you're a team that's really rebuilding, like the San Jose Sharks, what have you, that are taking the long look, trying to win games. And if, especially if you're a team like the Bruins, it's not like they're a wild card team that, you know, you're trying to get the best of both worlds of developing the young talent while trying to stay, you know, remain competitive. Bruins still first in the East. They're still, you know, right in the mix with the, uh, for the president's trophy. And again, you can say whatever you want about the president's trophy cars. Like the Bruins are playing really high quality hockey right now. And Jim Montgomery wants them to keep on building that, you know, that positive game It's probably the best stretch of the season they've had in terms of kind of everything firing off on all cylinders. So I think you want to keep that kind of current constitution in place. And as you said, like Lori, I think you go put it, send him down to Providence, have him play 20 plus minutes a night, get power play reps, um, he had that goal in their last game, um, which was really impressive. And I think that's what you want to see, right? Like um, for how talented Lorai is, especially offensively, have him play those minutes, get confident in his game. Uh, I don't think, you know, I, I'm sure you saw the move. He had that overtime winner. I don't think you can do that in the NHL. <laughs> like we do that little. Can't really. Move. Yeah. If you did it against Montreal, like Michael Pizzotto would like just like roundhouse kick him in the face <laughs> or like just like cross check the shit out of his back, you know? So um, but going down to Providence, having him build his game, as you said, a bit of a tough break for Beecher because I think he has been solid for what his role is, really good on faceoffs. But he also scores a goal in that same game as Lorai. So um, I, I think for especially in Beecher's case, the, the fact that he's exempt from waivers plays into that as opposed to a guy like Steen or Boquist or Lauco or anyone else that you really don't want to get plucked off the waiver wire, at least at this stage of the season. Um, but as you said, like, uh, if you're Jim Montgomery, you're trying to win games right now. I can see, you know, trying to satisfy all parties at the same time where you're still fielding a, a veteran group up here. You're still accumulating points, but sending guys like Beecher down there where he's maybe in a top six role, Lorai in a, a top pairing role, have them kind of continue to work on their game while still, you know, getting the experience they need down there in Providence. I think that's kind of more or less their approach, but I do think that the waiver wire and especially in Beecher's case, kind of factor into how they approach this kind of latest roster reshuffle. 100%. I mean, you look at the lineup they trotted out Saturday night. Marshan Coyle, Pasternak is the top line. I mean, that looked outstanding the other night. Yeah. Uh, Van Riemsdijk, Zaka, DeBrusque. DeBrusque has been playing a lot better of late. He seems to be finding his confidence and uh, producing because of it. Uh, Lauko, Geeky, Frederick, and then Boquist, Patra, Heinen. That's weirdly deep. I know that there isn't the star power you, you maybe want in there. Um, you know, after that first line, but again, like Van Riemsdyk's done his job. DeBrusque seems to be kind of hitting his stride. As I mentioned, the bottom six there, I mean, Geeky and Frederick work well together. And then, uh, you know, you have Boquist and Heinen kind of not sheltering Patra, but as two veteranish presences with them. Like I, to me, that's sort of more emblematic of a playoff lineup where, you know, I know obviously nobody wants Patra on the fourth line. He's not a fourth line player. But if your fourth line, if you want it to be used and have a little bit of you know skill to it, he does bring that. Where you know, so um, I still think you probably need or would like to go out and maybe add another wing if that's possible at the deadline. I know you and Ty talked about that um, last week, but I, that lineup isn't bad. I, I I'm not saying it, I thought it was bad, but for a while there, they looked like a team that was you know very much heavy on their top three lines. And now, I mean, with the lineup they rolled out Saturday, I'm fine with that fourth line playing 12, 13 minutes. Like, you know, maybe even a little bit more. So 
Um, I think it's emblematic that they're a little deeper uh, than we thought, and Montgomery's been a little bit better at kind of uh, divvying up that talent. He must be eating HelloFresh. That must be what it is. It's got to be it. It's on the HelloFresh grind. That has to be it. Uh, So quick word from our friends over at HelloFresh. So the Bruins get nine goals on Saturday, um, and if people haven't been paying attention, the offense has been a lot better. How much better has it been? Well, Scott McLaughlin, I got this from Scott, so i got to give him credit. I didn't look this up myself. This was in his story. Um, Bruins are at 4.46 goals per game since Christmas, which is the highest number in the NHL. Now, people remember, pre-Christmas, pre-holiday break, things were not looking so hot. The offense was drying up. They weren't getting scoring from a lot of different areas. And things since then have been basically the complete opposite. Um, Why do you think the Bruins have been so good offensively over these last bunch of weeks? I mean, I think a lot of it is uh, just simplifying their game and doing the simple things. I feel like every time, as is the case every season, when uh, teams go through offensive ruts, what usually um, solves it. Yes, you can look at the guys who are the offensive zone cheat codes, like Poster not getting hot and what have you. Like Those are the outliers, right, when those guys can just out of the blue uh, just get your offense rolling there. But I think you look, especially in that game against Montreal, a lot of it's just bringing guys to the front of the net. They're getting a lot of grade A chances. And it's kind of what you saw last year with the Bruins, right? Like maybe they're not peppering the net the same rate they were when they had, you know, Bruce Cassidy and his approach in the offensive zone. But um, some of it might be an indictment on Montreal and how shitty their defense is. But it, yeah, that plays, defense is not good. <laughs> that a whole lot of those plays, though, were guys cycling the puck, bringing the puck mm-hmm. down low. Um, you know, moving it around and, and having guys pointed at the net front. Like you look at the coil goal was like a signature coil play there where he drags the puck. He's got, I think it was like Jordan Harris. He had a, a few other guys like trying to just follow, follow the leader there. Martian's waiting at the net front. Zaka's waiting at the net front when Dabrowski has that really, really good feed on his goal as well to get him rolling. Um, so a lot of the stuff, again, it's, it's never reinventing the, the wheel with this team, right? You can try different combinations, but a lot of their chances, whether it's, uh, you know, guys driving to that defenseman knowing when to activate, like offensive dynamo, Brennan Carlo gets a goal there from activating there. Um, I, I think with this team, it's not like the you need to keep on switching the lines to find the right combination. This guy's just playing the right way and, and making things happen there. And I think that's been the biggest contribution. You look at maybe a player or two in a different role that has changed things around. Like I think Glauco has points in back-to-back games on the third line. That's a guy that seemed like he was in kind of this weird limbo for a while. His confidence was down, put him on the third line, get him rolling for a little bit, a few more minutes and he's produced there. Um, So I think for the Bruins, it's not anyone out like an outlier or one player going an absolute heater or anything like that. It's just playing the smart, simplified hockey that, um, that you know this team has shown it can do in the past, and it kind of goes back to that game against the Rangers way back when, uh, where they got where they lost seven to four, and Coyle was like, "We have the talent to, to finish these plays, but like we can't have Pasternak be the the one guy waiting there. We have we have to have guys waiting at the net front and have you know wear teams down, hold on to the puck, possess the puck, uh, win puck battles on the forecheck, and then when we have that talent in place to finish off those plays." makes it a lot easier. We can't just be one and done off the rush. And you really haven't seen it all that much unless it's offensive dynamo didn't hide with that, that shot on the rush. But look at a lot of those goals against Montreal, a lot kind of more or less followed the same script there, which is a pretty good uh, formula for, I think consistent offensive production over the course of a full year. 
Yeah, and I think it's shown that time has been the best thing for them in the sense that uh, as time has worn on with guys in new roles and you have you know, new guys like James Van Riemsdyk and uh, Patra in there and Geeky, and then you have guys, as I mentioned, in new roles like Coyle and Zaka, um, it takes time to get an offense down and to start generating goals uh, in positions you really haven't been in in past years. And I think, you know, I, Montgomery's talked about this all year, and I know he talked about it Saturday night again. It's like it's a lot of winning puck battles down low. It's a lot of, you know, uh, you know, getting the puck down low and getting it to the front of the net, as you mentioned. And I think you're seeing that more. Now, obviously, yeah, Montreal has their problems, <laughs> many problems on defense. and that, But that's okay. Sometimes you need a game like that to kind of remind yourself or to reinforce uh, those values and those teaching points. Uh, and I think Saturday was was definitely good for that. But And that's how you score in the playoffs. You know, you're not dangling through guys and scoring off the rush in the playoffs. It's a lot of cycle work. It's a lot of sustained ozone time. I mean, that was one of the um, emphasis, you know, emphasis points for Montgomery when he came here was like, hey, let's have, you know, long time on attacks. We don't have to outshoot everybody. We need quality chances, which is a very valid point. And a lot of good NHL teams have transitioned to that. Um, but you're seeing that now. And I think you're, you know, when the playoffs come around, that's how you're going to get your goals, you know, and last year they had a ta- more talented roster than anybody. And they had a tough time scoring and defending their own zone. Uh, but now, I mean, again, you know, I think uh, with defense and goaltending being a strength, you do have to get this uh, this down offensively, as I mentioned, kind of down below the, the dots and low in the zone, which they have done. So uh, I'm curious to see how this kind of progresses again. Uh, Monday night against the Winnipeg Jets. What a game. I mean, the stars were out for that one. I mean, my God. Exactly. It was just, with, without it, a doubt, Evan. I'm sure unforgettable the game is going to be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> unforgettable game. It was Oh, that do do you want to do a prediction? I know this will come out after, but do we want to say a prediction? Do we want to want to do this? I'm gonna do a three-two overtime win. I'm gonna say, how about Matt Potra with an overtime goal? Get him rolling a little bit. I like that idea. I like that idea. Uh, I'm gonna say the Bruins lose four-three in overtime. That's wow. it. I Debbie think they're Debbie Downer. I know Debbie Downer. They're kind of due. Um, so I'll say four-three OT loss. Um. But it'll be close. It'll be a good game. So that's my that's my prediction. So you guys can throw egg in my face if this doesn't come true. Hopefully it doesn't. Um, anyways, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over at the Globe and Boston.com? Yeah, you can uh, follow my stuff over at Boston.com and the Globe. We'll have uh, breakdowns, features, game reports, columns, all that good stuff throughout this season. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Teenage week.